Hey everyone, welcome to Ascent Online. I'm so glad that you are joining us this week. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day who said during this time, I just want someone to tell me what to do. Like I am just so gravitating toward people that are clear and can tell me what I can do during this time. You guys, today we're gonna throw something else at you a little bit here. When you look at the life of Jesus, he more was interested in who you become rather than what you do. We're gonna talk about that. That has a huge implication for the people that we are and the relationship we have with God. But first, here's what I wanna do. I want us to take a second and we are gonna sing a song. Becky's gonna lead us. Would you invite God to just speak to you today? Uh, and then we're gonna hear some scripture as Mo and Aisha read it. Welcome to Ascent Online. Well, Ascent, we consider it an honor to be with you today. And what we wanna do is lift our voices in worship to our great God. And this song is really a song where we get to tune our hearts to God together. The chorus of it says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And what I want you to do is imagine that we're inviting God into our hearts. We're inviting God into this space to speak to us today. God, we believe that you have a word. We believe that your word is living, it is alive, it is active. So God, we come to you wherever we are today. We invite you, God, to speak to us, Lord, as you hear our worship back to you. There is nothing like you, God. So we lift our voices and we worship you today. There's nothing worth more
Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. One of the things I love the most is teaching Jesus stories. The dude told stories better than anybody. And so I wanna dive uh, right into it. I don't even wanna waste a minute. Let's just get right into the story that Jesus told because it has huge implications for the people that we become and who you are and who I am. And so, uh, so check this out. Check out the brilliance of Jesus. This is from Luke chapter 18. Uh, and so here we go. Uh, Jesus tells a story. Two men went to the temple to pray. Now, first, here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture this. Uh, in Jerusalem, ancient Jerusalem, two times a day, everybody would go up to the temple. Everybody go up to this big temple. Imagine this big courtyard and people flood into it and there's people everywhere and they come in and they pray and they didn't pray like we pray today, right? We, we pray like this, hands closed, eyes down. Uh, do you realize people have only been praying this way for like 150 years. The, we did that because we were trying to teach little kids to pay attention in Sunday school. That's actually not how they used to pray. So all these people fill into the temple and they pray like this, hands wide open to God. They look up to the sky and they actually would pray out loud or they do this. They do like the Wakanda prayer. Like they go right here looking up to the sky. That's how they would pray. So imagine a courtyard full of people coming up to pray and Jesus sets the scene for us. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. So let's, let's start. Let's start with the Pharisee. Uh, if you're new to church, you don't understand uh, who these people are, what it is, what's a Pharisee? Let me just give you a little bit of a sense of what a Pharisee is, because Jesus is telling a master story here. A Pharisee was all about the rules, was all about like looking at the Old Testament law, like with a magnifying glass and recording every single commandment and making sure that it was followed. The rule, it was all about the rules. If this whole God thing is this whole kind of religion thing, which I, I hate that word religion. If it's about keeping the rules, the Pharisees are the winners. I mean, they kept it so close. In fact, uh, one of the ways people talk about the Pharisees is that they would protect it like it was a garden. 
and that uh, some of you guys have gardens and you know that animals will tr come and try to eat in the garden. Uh, one of my um, favorite Instagram uh, pages to follow is uh, this thing, Chunk the Groundhog. So Chunk is this like groundhog that comes like every day out and they put out fruit for him or some kind of something to eat, you know, some broccoli or something. And he just eats it right in front of the screen. Uh, he's, he loves to just try to eat people's gardens. And that's the, um, the Pharisees were terrified that the law, the rules would be eaten away, that people would ignore them or fall away from them. They didn't want anything eating away at the rules. And so not only would they follow the rules, they would put up fences around the rules. So like, like, like sometimes we put a fence around a garden. Uh, some, some of you guys you know, have a garden uh, that you've got, you're afraid of deer, or rabbits or whatever coming along, squirrels eating your stuff. So you put up a big fence like this and you protect it. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. They had the rules that they read in the Old Testament, but then they put rules around the rules, just like a fence around a garden. That's the Pharisees. These guys are the perfect guys. So when the Pharisees come into the temple to pray, this is how they do it. They come into the temple and they're praying to God with the knowledge that they are the rule keepers, okay? So Jesus paints a story of the Pharisee, but there's somebody else. Take a look here. It's not just a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. Hey, some of you guys maybe heard me talk about tax collectors before. <laughs> These guys, they were hated. They were the worst. Uh, the tax collectors were the one that actually, get this, they were Jews who sided with the Roman government who had conquered Jerusalem. So, so they were Jews who then got on with the Romans and started collecting taxes from their own people. So they're traitors. And not only that, um, they would actually kind of like slide a little extra money into their pockets. So while their friends and neighbors that they grew up with are like losing money to the Roman government, not knowing where their next meal is coming from, these guys are lining their pockets with their neighbor's money. Of course they were despised. I mean, so, so get this. You've got the Pharisee, the ultimate rule keeper, and you've got this tax collector, the despised traitor, cheater. These are the two guys Jesus talks about. Brilliant start to the story. They come into the temple, one of the two times a day, they come in the temple ready to pray. And here's what happens. If you go to verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Look at, look at the first words here. The Pharisee stood by himself. He's like, I can't associate with any of these other people. Like, I'm that, I'm the one keeping the rules. I'm the one putting the fence around the rules. I'm not even getting close to guys like this tax collector. Now, before we go cast judgment on him, man, I look at myself and I go, is there anything in me that has even this much of a moral superiority complex over other people? Come on, think for a second. Honestly, before you cast judgment at this Pharisee, before you start just going, oh yeah, what a jerk. Think to yourself, is there any piece of you that has even this much, you think you're better than somebody else is? I do. 
man, I can't cast judgment on this guy because I am this guy. And so Jesus isn't just setting up some kind of like straw man. This is us. This is who we are. He's inviting you into the story, inviting me into the story to say, what part of us stands by ourselves away from the people that we disagree with, who don't think like we do, who don't vote like we do, who don't process the world like we do, that we look down on and we stand by ourselves apart from them. That's, that's the heart of a Pharisee. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer, I thank you, God. Now, okay, before we go on, this is a normal way to start a prayer. The normal Jewish way to start a prayer was with thanksgiving. In fact, Jesus taught us this way. Jesus said, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, we love you, we adore you, we thank you. God, that is how a great Jew would start a prayer. And what we would thank God for is thank you for the gifts that you've given. Thank you for how kind you are. Thank you for your generosity. Like that's the normal way to start a prayer. Here's how the Pharisee starts his prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. I thank you, God, I'm not like other people. In other words, God, thank you for me. Thank you for who I am. Gosh, I'm the man, is what he's saying. I'm not like other people. I'm not like his cheaters or sinners or adulterers. And I am certainly not like that tax collector. Okay, get this. When they would go into the temple courtyard to pray, they go into the temple courtyard and they're doing this thing or you know, however they're praying. They're praying out loud. All these people in the courtyard praying out loud. You guys, he is praying so that the tax collector can hear him. He is praying this out. This isn't a prayer, this is a sermon. This is him like shouting at that tax collector, rubbing it in. This is shame. You ever been around somebody who maybe prays out loud and you go, actually, I think they were just praying at me. You ever had that happen? Um, I've done that to people before, you know, prayed, but really it's an undercover sermon that I'm saying to somebody else. That's what's going on here. He's making a shot. He's taking uh, this shot at this despised tax collector. He keeps going though. Check this out. He says this, I fast twice a week. Uh, uh, let's just pause for a second. Remember the fence around the garden? The, the old Jewish law said you only had to fast once a year. Oh, but I fast twice a week. And I give you, God, a tenth of my income. And remember, he's saying this out loud, making sure everybody hears it. Well, the Old Testament law said you only had to give a tenth of the income from your land, from the crops that you were growing. But I give a tenth of everything that I get. Guys, he is a show-off. He's a show-off, you Office fans. Come on, I feel you. That's, that's what this guy is all about. He's all about making sure that everybody knows that he is following the rules and therefore he thinks he is the winner. Contrast that with what Jesus paints of this tax collector. The tax collector also stood at a distance, but he stands at a distance out of shame. Right? The, tax, the Pharisee stands at a distance because I don't want to associate. The tax collector stands at a distance because he knows he, he is in the wrong. He, he's ashamed of himself. He doesn't want to be near anybody. And he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, 
oh God, just be merciful to me for I'm a sinner. Uh, to get you the real sense of, of what is going on here, you see this, uh, he beat his chest. Um, that, that's the idea that here's this guy who is um, the, in the old kind of um, Middle East, to beat your chest and to look down at the ground. Like he couldn't even look up at heaven. He's beating his chest and looking down on the ground. Beating your chest was a sign of like the ultimate anguish of pain. You know, the only other time we get the, um, that idea that somebody beating their chest is uh, at the cross, at the crucifixion. There's people standing in the distance watching and beating their chest as Jesus is crucified. That's the heart of this poor tax collector. He can't even look at God. He's just beating his chest in shame and sorrow. So guys, who's the winner here? You got the Pharisee, you got the tax collector, and then you've got Jesus' take on it all. Look at how Jesus breaks this down. I tell you, and, and by the way, when, often when you see this, um, some translations say, truly, truly, uh, it's really the two words, uh, it's the word amen. Jesus says, amen, amen, I say to you, amen, amen. So anytime you see truly, truly in your Bible, it's, it's the word amen. We end our prayers with that word. What it means is put your, count, put your trust in this. Put your trust in this. This is faithful, right? We pray and we say, amen, this is faithful. Jesus uses that word up front. Amen, amen, I say to you, okay? So he's saying, put, put your weight on this because this is true. Amen, amen, I say to you, this sinner, the tax collector, not the Pharisee, returned home justified, right? That word means in a right relationship. This, this guy who beats his chest and can't even look at God, he's the one, surprise, surprise, he's not the one who keeps all the rules. He's the one who returns home in a right relationship with God, justified before God. For those who exalt themselves, those who lift themselves up, will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. I wanna talk more about uh, what this means here in a second for us. Uh, I wanna talk more about what it means to humble ourselves. Jesus' only self-description is that he is gentle and humble at heart. And if we're gonna go in a true north direction, we're gonna, we gotta calibrate ourselves by him, becoming the person like he is. It means to become humble like this tax collector and therefore justified before God. How do we do that? How do you do that? Guys, I want us to hear uh, just a glimpse right now about what's going on in our church and a little bit of vision for what's coming up next. Uh, and then I wanna come back, don't go anywhere. I wanna come back and give you some thoughts. How do we practically become the kind of person Jesus is talking about? So stay tuned. It is Christmas shop time at Ascent. It is the best time of the year. If you look around, you can see that things are starting to take shape in here. And what's even cooler, we've done a ton of work to figure out a way to even offer curbside pickup and totally online shopping experience for the people who rely on the Christmas shop to make sure that their kids have a great morning on Christmas morning. But you can see the shelves are here, but something's missing, right? These shelves are empty and we need your help to fill them up. We cannot do it without you. 
but we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to be a part. And so there are three ways that you can donate toys to the toy drive for the Christmas shop this year. Number one, go to the store, pick them out, buy them, bring them here. We've got somebody here Monday through Thursday ready to take those from you. Number two, we've set up an online registry that you can go to, see all of the different options out there, pick the ones you want, and they will be delivered directly here for you. Or you can just give a financial gift that we can use to go out and pick up toys for the kids who are relying on the Christmas shop. This is the most fun thing we do all year because it is our biggest chance to be incredibly generous with our community. And we do that because God has been so generous to us. The vision of this church is that people would see Jesus clearly and find life. And every year at the Christmas shop, we give people an incredibly clear view into who Jesus really is so that it can be a life-giving thing for them. And we just wanna say we are so grateful for the generosity of those of you who have chosen to partner with the church financially. When you do that, you create the ways that we help that vision go forward, that people can see Jesus clearly, that they can call this place a place where they met God. And if you would like to give a gift, you can see on your screen or if you're listening to a podcast, just go to our website. There are numerous ways to do so, and we invite all of you to be a part of seeing this vision go forward. And now, Jim's going to take back over because he's got a big pile of dirt that he's really excited to show you. You guys, I so want to be like, believe it or not, that tax collector. Not like a cheater and a liar and that kind of thing, right? But more just like, how do I have a humble heart before God? And um, man, I'm so far, so far away from that. What, what could help move me and change me? Uh, as I look at that passage and Jesus talks about humbling ourselves. The word is actually maybe helpful. The word in Greek has this idea. Um, the word humble in Greek means to be close to the ground. And so I, I put myself as humbling myself in a position where I actually understand reality. The reality is that God is greater than I am. The reality is that I can see other people and I actually don't see myself as higher than them, but I see myself as somebody who can serve them. I, I'm, I take myself low to the ground, not in like some crappy self-esteem way. That's not what we're talking about. No, but, but rather understanding my position as someone who sees others and loves others and wants to serve others and has an ultimate dependence on God. That's what it means to be low to the ground. I was thinking about what other ways we could describe this. I was thinking, what is low to the ground? And I finally figured it out. The thing that is lowest to the ground that I can think of is the ground, <laughs> you know? Like, so I brought some of the ground uh, here. And I, some of you guys know me. Um, I, I take my yard care very seriously. Uh, this is very important to me. In fact, last year, uh, I went out and I took samples of my lawn. I took 11 samples and put them in these little jars. I actually drove them up to uh, CSU, Colorado State, and I had them tested. I paid money for them to analyze my yard and tell me what I needed to do. And they came back to me and they said, here's the problem with your yard. The problem with your yard is it's just so much, it's just clay. It's just, it's solid. There's no... 
Um, it's too stiff and thick. It's a Pharisee, right? It's a, this is the heart, the clumpy heart of a Pharisee is kind of what my yard is like. It's, it, it, it's um, nothing can grow in it. And guys, as we think about um, humility, we think about becoming someone who has a humble heart. Um, we do this. We, we set a, a stage of humility in who we are so that the work of God can grow in us. Um, there's this little book that's actually, uh, it's actually 200 years old. It's so cool. It's uh, by this guy, Andrew Murray, who uh, was actually from South Africa. And he writes this little book. It is very cleverly titled Humility. And um, he, he wrote this. Um, and this was just really challenging to me. Check, check out these words. He says this, says, humility is the only soil in which virtue, that means like the character of Jesus, can take root. A lack of humility is the explanation, this one's a punch in the face, is the explanation of every defect and failure. Okay, I got to think about that one for a second, right? Like, okay, is that, is that true? The lack of humility is the explanation of every defect and failure in my life. Humility is not so much a virtue along with all the others. It is the root of them all because it alone takes the right attitude before God and allows him as God to do all. I love this idea that as I try to cultivate the heart of this tax collector of humility before God, that actually that becomes the soil in which everything else can grow. Um, I've started trying to integrate this into my soil outside. It's this great compost, right? I mean, look at that. That's just, that's just pretty stuff. That's pretty dirt. Uh, stuff will grow in that. I, if I leave my hand out here for like an hour, you know, weeds will pop up or something's going to grow right there on my palm. That is nice dirt. Uh, this, this year I took out a tree in front of my house, this big tree. And I went out and... Um, once we took the tree out, I went through and I tilled the soil and I threw a ton of this stuff uh, in there. You know, it's great soil, it's great compost. And it's so crazy, look at it. You see this picture. Can you tell where the tree was? The rest of the yard is this like, you know, dirty, rocky, clay stuff. And that's why it's not as green. And then there's one spot, you see it, that circle right there. There's a spot where that's where the tree was, but that's where I had mended the soil. That's what humility is. That's what coming to God in complete dependence is. Anything can grow. Anything can stay green, right? That spot in my yard is not green because I watered it more in that circle. It stays greener because the soil is different. It has been fundamentally changed at its core and so it's not working hard to try to do stuff. It is just what it is. Guys, and that's where the Pharisees had it wrong. They're ultimately trying to do stuff. And Jesus is saying, become something. I want to invite you into a different kind of life where you become my follower, gentle and humble at heart. And when you do, watch out because the amazing work of God can start to grow in your life. I want to give you um, just some practical ideas on this. Um, you know, I, I'd hate for the message just to end, in, you know, hey, go be humble, um, you know, and 
that's, that's where we close this out. I, I wanna give you something practical that I think can actually start to cultivate this kind of soil uh, in our lives and, and who we become. Uh, the first one is this. This is what I want you to try. This is what I want you to try this week. I want you to confess something. Let's go back to the parable and think about it for a second. What did that tax collector do? He stood in the courtyard and he prayed and he said, God, forgive me. I can't even look at you. I need your mercy. How often do we confess? How often do we come before God and say, I'm sorry? When, when we are uh, people that go and daily are exaggerating or um, lusting after something, envying our neighbor, um, you know, if you're like me, right? These are all the things that creep into my life, lying, all the stuff I do, my anger towards someone. How many times do I actually, how often do I actually come to God and confess it and tell God and say, look, this is what, this is what I'm doing. God, would you help me? This is different than regretting something. Many of us are walking around in life and we know that we've done things that are just way off and we regret it. And here's the thing about regret. Regret doesn't mean that you're gonna change. Regretting something doesn't mean that I will change my life. Confessing something, it's a whole different ballgame. In fact, in 1 John uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 9, it says, uh, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Confession. I know some of you guys are actually ex-Catholics. I'm not talking about walking up to a window and, you know, forgive me, Father, for I've said That's not what I'm talking about. Right? I want to bring up bad thoughts in your mind. It may involve other people that we confess to, but it's really a posture before God of confession. Maybe it's in a journal or maybe it's just a prayer in the morning or night as you sit in your bed and you think about the day and you think about where you went off track and you confess. Because if you want to cultivate the soil of humility in your life, start by confessing. That's one. Uh, the second one is I want you to remember. Uh, there's this beautiful word in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament especially, it's a Hebrew word, zakar. And if your name is Zach or Zachary, this is actually, you're named after this word, you didn't know it maybe. It means remember. And God is constantly asking us to remember, remember. Remember where you were. If you have any of um, that heart of the Pharisee in you that would look at somebody else from a superior kind of standpoint, this is me. I look at somebody else and I think, I am, I'm doing better than they are, morally superior to they are than them. Guys, we need to remember. We need to remember back probably to one of the lowest points of our lives. When were you furthest from God? When had you walked completely away? When were you as lost as you have ever been? I want to ask you to remember that, not for shame, right? I'm not trying to build shame in your life or bad memories. We're trying to remember the graciousness of God. One of the great Old Testament passages says, remember, I am the Lord your God, and I rescued you with my right hand. I rescued you when you were a slave in Egypt. I reached down and pulled you out. He's constantly asking the people to remember, and he's asking you and I to do the same thing. Remember, when were you far away from God and that hand rescued you? Because if we remember how lost we have been on our paths, 
not gonna judge somebody else. We're not gonna sit like that Pharisee. That's, that's a path on the road to humility is to remember. Last thing, here's, here's one last thought. It, it, just pick one of these, right? Just start with one of these. Last thought is this. Uh, I love this little book. Uh, like I said, it's called Humility by Andrew Murray, this guy a couple hundred years ago. Uh, and what's cool about the book is, I don't know if you can see it, but it's just, they're little four or five page um, uh, daily kind of devotionals that you can read, really easy. You could read one a day. I've been through it now a couple times and I just sit there with my pencil and I'll you know underline stuff and write it and it'll name um, some passage in the Bible. And so I, maybe I got my Bible there and if it names it, I'll go read it and see uh, what it says. It's a great way to start your day, a great way to engage uh, with the humility of Jesus. That's what this is all about. If you want to start to cultivate that soil, maybe it's picking up this little book. I think it's like five or six bucks or something like that on Amazon. Humility by Andrew Murray. I hope you'll check it out. Here's what I want to do. If I can get like five, eight, ten of you guys that'll email me at jim at ascentcc.org and, and you commit, you're going to read this over the next, like, let's say three weeks. Uh, I'm going to set up a Zoom call here uh, next month. And for those of you who email me, I'm going to invite you in. We can get on a Zoom call, talk about this half an hour, 45 minutes. What did it impact you? What did you see about the humility of Jesus that actually made a difference for you? Especially as we head into this Christmas season. Man, you want to talk about the humility of Jesus coming to earth as a little baby in the middle of nowhere. Wow, right? That's, that is the heart of our God and that's what you're being invited into. So guys, um, last thing I'll say is this. It, it takes time. It's it, it like the humility in my life is, is like so slow. Um, I wish I could get there faster on really sensing being lower to the ground, being that person, right, that um, sees God, sees others uh, like this and, and, and loves others in a way that God is inviting us to love others. Um, it's gonna take time, but this is the journey. And guys, I'm so glad to be on it with you and I'm praying for you this week as we enter into this time. So we're gonna take a few moments here and sing and these songs, I hope you will pray and talk to God and listen to God uh, because he has something to say. Same God who 
Thank you so much for joining us uh, this week. As we close it out, a lot of you guys have been asking me, uh, you know, with me moving on here in the next month or so to work with Stadia, which is a global church planning organization. Jim, what can we do? How can we help you? First, I just want to say thank you. Uh, people have been so gracious and kind during this time. It's been very difficult for us because of our love for Ascent in this place. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, people have been asking, what's the one big thing we can do for you? Here's my request. Um, support this church. Love Ascent. Love the people that come to Ascent. Support Bill. Uh, rally around the staff. I just want to ask you from the bottom of my heart of all the things that you could do for us. Uh, we have invested our heart, soul, um, tears into this place. We love Ascent and we believe so strongly in the vision of where it's going. Uh, I hope you will put your hand in the middle and fully push uh, in the direction of where this church is going and where God is leading it. So guys, thank you again this week, praying for you uh, and love you guys and see you next time.